welcome to our Vision Sunday 2020. Uh, I'm so grateful that we're able to take advantage of technology. So as Sue said, it's, it's a huge pleasure to have those of you that are joining us online. I know that the De Klerk family is in Patronosta, so enjoy. I'm glad that you can do that and get on to church. For those of you that are present, um, I don't know about you, but I, for me, just the first 10 minutes of worship was worth everything. Everything and anything in terms of being, being, I'm actually goosebumps. So anyway, sorry for those of you that are online. You might think it's the same. I think you're wrong. I, I loved, anyway, I loved it. I love being here, so thank you very much. In fact, in fact, if we have a few minutes at the end, Sam, I might get you guys to even come up and do that, that last song again. No pressure. Um, but today is our Vision Sunday. We're taking a little break between series, so we wrapped up our Whisper series last week, and we're going to be starting a new series next week that we've called Impact as part of the theme for the year. We'll, we'll explain a little bit more about that as we go along, but we wanted to just take a break and sort of take stock and remind you, whether you are exploring Christianity, returning to Christianity, or maybe you've been a Christian for decades, maybe you've been following God for a really long time, I want to remind you that God has a vision for your life. When we forget that, then we think it doesn't matter how we live. When we remember that, we remember. Uh, when we remember that, then we, we realize that how we live actually matters. Some of you are familiar with the passage in the Bible uh, found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 in the Old King James Version. So this was written, this was translated into an old type of English hundreds of years ago. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. In the slightly more, actually very much more modernized translations, the New International Version says, where there is no revelation, look at this, people cast off restraint. And the New, the New Living Translation says, when people do not accept divine guidance. So, when, so when, when we cease to acknowledge that God actually has the very, 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 very best plan for our lives, and it really does lead to life, abundant life, flourishing life. When we forget that, when we ignore that, when we ignore His divine guidance, people run wild. Now, I think that all of us can relate to this to some extent or another, to one degree. There are times in my life where, the truth be told, I'm entertaining too many options, as opposed to, oh, I know what God's called me to, and, and that actually narrows the options. That actually narrows the, the road because, because I'm choosing a particular Path. I realize that we all want to be free to choose whatever we want to, and, and the reality is we are, but, but choosing whatever we want to from moment to moment and kind of trying to entertain too many options, I think leads to a very divided life. It leads to a very diffused life, and I think slowly but surely it does violence to our soul. There is something powerful, there's something life-giving about being focused, about, 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 about settling what you're focusing on and, and just going all in and actually choosing to walk that path. It matters how we live. And by the way, God's plan is not boring. I love how Eugene Peterson wrote his paraphrase around the passage found in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, where he says that this resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Like, it's not boring. When, when we realize, in fact, in fact, that should actually challenge us as to where our relationship with God is at. Because, and again, I'm just being honest, there are seasons and days where I'm not feeling like it's this adventure. But then I've got to look at, okay, am I actually connecting with God? Am I abiding? In God? Am, am I walking closer with Him? Because I'm telling you, one way or another, whether or not you're facing challenges, there's a sense of God, there's a purpose here. 
There's a vision here. This is an adventure. What's next, Papa? We, we talk about four steps here at our church. And just so you know, this isn't unique to us. This is, I think that God has a vision for His global church. So the capital C church, which has many different streams and different parts of the family. You don't all want to hang out with everyone in your family necessarily. That's okay. But you're part of the same family. And God has a vision for the capital C church. We're a tiny, 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 tiny thread in the, in the great masterpiece that God is busy putting together that, that is bringing everything together. So he's got a vision for the capital C church, which I believe includes these four steps that I'm going to touch on. And then, and then to some extent, sometimes the applications are, are a little bit more unique to the personalities and, and the communities that each local church is placed in. But these four steps in our spiritual journey, whatever language people want to give to it, is number one, that we actually want to enjoy a relationship with God. And I want to emphasize that word enjoy. Like not just endure a, you know, a relationship with God. No, no, no. We, we actually are invited to enjoy a relationship with God. I believe that another step is for us to actually press into God and walk close enough with God that we find healing and wholeness for our lives where we are dealing with our past, dealing with, with baggage, with brokenness, with issues. I believe a third step is to discover the potential that God has placed inside of you. And God has placed potential destiny, purpose inside of every person. And then fourth step is to actually do something with that. So not to just like it and, uh, and be inspired by it and, and, and think that that's great. No, no, it's, it's to actually make a difference, do something that'll affect other lives for eternity. We use this language. You might have seen it on the wall in the cafe or it'll be up on the screen, but we talk about, number one, that we want to know God find freedom, discover purpose, and I want to emphasize the fact that it's discovering God's purpose for our lives, and then actually commit to making an eternal difference. So let's take a look at number one, the idea of knowing God. This is not knowing about God. This isn't just something that's intellectual or academic. Part of God's vision for your life, whether you know it or not, whether you're following Him or not, whether you're just exploring Christianity or not, God's vision, He's desire, his dream, he wants it far more than you or I do, is to actually have a relationship, to, to not just be known about, but to be known, to, 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 for us to enjoy a relationship with God. Ephesians 1 verse 17 is an account of one of the early church leaders, Paul the Apostle, writing about, how, about what he prays for these particular Christians found in the city of Ephesus. He says, in chapter 1, verse 17, that I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. If you read through His different letters in the New Testament, you don't find Him often praying that you'll never have a problem, that you'll be delivered from every opposition. No, no. His primary prayer is that you would know God better. I'm telling you that as a church, this order matters, and this is the first priority. Everything else hinges off of us growing in knowing God, not just about Him. That, that, that word in the original uh, Greek that the English word knowing is translated from is the word gnosis, which actually means this, this intimate knowledge. It's more like the knowledge between a married couple than, than just an academic knowledge. It's an actual relationship. He goes on in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to say, then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. And look at this, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. 
Maybe you've been around long enough to know that your roots are not strong enough just in what you know. Your roots are, are, are strengthened by who you know, by increasingly feeling secure in the love of God. Not just knowing theoretically that He loves me. No, no. I'm wait. I, I think I, I think I actually get this. I think God loves me. And verse 18 says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Guys, I cannot emphasize this strong enough. I think I mentioned this in the message last week. I feel like we are living in a wartime type scenario where, where you can't just coast. You can't just drift. I mean, you can, but you're going to pay for it, personally. We need to take responsibility to be growing in our own relationship with God. We need to take responsibility for our habits. We need to take responsibility to self-feed, not to only grab a little tidbit or a little nugget there or something that falls off the table. No, no, no. We need to be committed to actually spending time with God regularly that we can grow in knowing and loving Him personally. That's on a personal level. On a church level, on, a, on, a, on, a, on another level of responsibility for us individually, if you are in a relationship with God, I believe that there's a significant responsibility to, in, to invest in relationships with others and to invite others somewhere along the line to actually be able to help people see how good God is. I love this idea that if people could just see how good God is, they'd want Him to. Blaise Pascal, the 17th century mathematician, I think physicist and philosopher, who, who had quite a radical conversion, said the following, make people wish it were true, and then show them that it is. Make people wish that it was true. I think that as we grow, and again, we're going to look into this in the next series as we start next week. Guys, we want to live lives individually where we're not relying just on a program or just on a Sunday, you know, opportunity to invite someone. No, no. I mean, even as I look around this hall and as I know of others in our church, there are people that live attractive, vital lives where they are. So at work, most, most of your influence is going to come where you spend most of your time. And, and to actually live an authentic life that people hope it's true, and then you can actually explain to them that it is. So number one, we want to know God. Number two, we want to find freedom. This is the language that we use. When you surrender your life to Jesus, your sins are forgiven in a, in a flash, in a moment. That we call salvation. So, so your spirit becomes new. But then there's another part that we call sanctification, where the rest of our mind, our behavior and things actually have to almost like catch up and be healed and find wholeness as we allow God to help us to, to change some thinking that has brought about damage or that has caused us to live like victims or to, or to live with the wrong identity or to live insecure. To find freedom is to actually walk increasingly in that healing and wholeness that God has called us to, where, where we are able to increasingly let go of things that hold us back. Now, Last week, we spent a whole message on the role of relationships, and I'm going to say it one more time, that I believe that relationships, life-giving relationships, are the single greatest. I'm not saying it's the only, but it's the single, I think it's one of the greatest uh, 
avenues that God uses to, for iron to sharpen iron, for, for us to, to build trust with people that have our back, that can help us to actually, to actually see things that maybe we're not seeing for ourselves. I love this passage in James chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Not so that you can gossip, so that you can repeat it. No, 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 no. Come on. So that we can be healed. We confess our sins to God to find forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another to find healing. Guys, I can't explain it to you, but God has somehow used this. And I'm just speaking from personal experience. God uses life-giving relationships. I spent a couple of hours with two of my closest friends yesterday. and, and, And besides many tangible areas of value, I can't... I think all of us were like a little bit amazed at just how life-giving just the fellowship was. Like it was just, there was, there was something. It's like you just, you're not alone. You, you, you're, you're sparking each other off. You're encouraging each other. You, there's just, there's something life-giving. And I want that to be a habit in your life. I don't want that to be an option. I want, I want that to be something that we are committed to. We can have all kinds of other goals in our lives personally, in the church. But if we're not growing in our relationship with God, and if we're not growing in our relationships with others, we're... Where, where, where people are able to help one another grow. Guys, I just think we're going to be in trouble. Some of you might be familiar with something called the Jahari window. I think it's been around for a long, long time. But effectively, it refers to, to four different quadrants that we tend to live in. I think we'll have an image up in a moment. But that's where uh, there's a part of us that we know and that we allow others to know. So it's what I allow you to see, right? So, so who I am on stage, you... This is who I'm. This is the part of me that I'm allowing you to see. There are parts I don't allow you to see, and thank you, Jesus, for that. But 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 there's but there's but 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 there's stuff about my life, my personality, uh, whatever that that I allow you to see. So I know it, you know it. Then there's a part that is known by others, but that you don't know. So that's like when you have something hanging out your nose, you know, something dangling in your teeth, and you don't realize it. Okay, you might. Hopefully, you'll feel it if it's your nose. But anyway, let's say you got something stuck in your teeth. And, and then that's when you, you need someone, a, someone who loves you enough, a friend to your future, not just your feelings, to say, you look like a dork right now, just go and get that thing out of your teeth, um, or whatever the case is. But then there's the section that is um, known by me, but not by you. Those are things that I'm dealing with in private. And again, hopefully you have, I don't encourage you to tell everybody everything. I encourage you to tell somebody everything. So, so, so there's stuff that you don't, I don't think that you should be unpacking everything you're dealing with with everybody. I think there's stuff that you can share when it becomes a scar, not while it's a, a hurt. But, but there should be somebody that you can share with while it's still a hurt, while you're still, you know, agonizing over that thing. But then look at that fourth quadrant. This is, this is, the, this is, the, this is the one that I want you to pay most attention to. This is the stuff that I don't know and you don't know. But it's got potential. Please don't miss this. I don't know, and you don't know, and those closest to me don't know, but there's something that God uses when people will walk together and build. And by the way, the people that I have the most trust with are people that I've trusted for years, people that I've taken risks with for years. You don't build that kind of trust in a month. But they're people that I'm willing to trust that that I don't know, they don't know, but, but as we keep humbling ourselves and journeying together, and I love this idea of contending for one another. Like we're actually contending for each other's destiny. We're, we've got each other's back. Who knows what's possible? 
But God does something in that area when we will allow Him to work on the potential. So we want to know God, find freedom. Number three, we want to discover purpose, discover God's purpose for our lives. And again, I want to tell you that God's the only person that actually knows your full potential. Even if you think you're pretty awesome, I'm telling you that only God knows your full potential. Only God knows what the best version of you looks like. He's worth pressing into. He's worth trusting. He's worth trying to obey those occasional prompts that you're not sure, is it him, isn't it him? But, but you do it anyway because you know God directs a moving ship. And so you're going to do certain things. You're going to try and be obedient even when you're not 100% sure. And again, we spoke about this a few weeks ago as well. So like, don't bet the whole farm, but, but try and be quickly obedient to the, to the easy stuff. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. The good things He planned for us long ago. God has got a plan for your life. We want to discover that. I, I know that we would all love for it to be some quick, easy, guaranteed you know, um, formula as to how we discover that and, and just step right into it, but I want to encourage you that it's a journey. It's a lot of trial and error. There are going to be some mistakes. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to try something. You might try and help somebody. You might, you might sacrifice. And I could keep here all day with stories of where we've tried to help people and it's, and it's backfired that they think we're Satan. Like, like that's going to happen. But, but you, you keep figuring out who's good soil. How do you help out? When, when it... I love, I love when you can get to a place in your life where you're so secure in God that you can do what you think God's told you to do or even what you don't think God's told you to do, but that's just the generous, kind thing to do. And there's absolutely no response or appreciation from the people involved, and you're still okay because you obey God. In other words, it's not all just connected to how good that person makes me feel about how good I made them feel. No, no, it's God, I love you. God, you've loved me so much. You've done so much for me. My only reasonable response to you, God, is to love the people who you were willing to die for. And, and God, I'm going, to, I'm going to trust you with the results. So for us as a church, the most practical, tangible way that we help you begin this process, again, it's not the end, it's the beginning, is through Growth Track. So we're starting a new round today. It's 12 o'clock midday on Zoom. You don't have to be in person. And I want to encourage you, even if you've maybe been around for a few years, if you've never done Growth Track or you haven't done Growth Track in the last year or two, I cannot encourage you now. To do it, we had someone the other day who commented, "Yeah, yeah, we did this like membership thing, like growth track type thing." I one of your other congregations about eight years ago. I'm thinking, no wonder you don't know who we are. Like, freaking do growth track. Give us, give us four hours of your life. I don't think it's going to be a waste. So, you can sign up, or just go online, get the get the address. Are, are you are you picking up a little bit of my? My desperation, I want you to, I want you to figure this out. We, we unpack these four things in much greater detail in Growth Track. But also, I just think you need to start somewhere. Please don't wait until all the planets align and until God has confirmed in like 15 different ways that, that, that you should maybe spend half an hour with it. Just, just, just start somewhere. Just try and then persevere. You'll be amazed at how God meets you in the going. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says, Hey, go and make disciples, and I will be with you. There's something in the going that includes Him being. 
with us. Just start somewhere. Number four, lastly, is to make a difference. Our vision is to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, largely so that we can get to a place where we're going to make an eternal difference. I, I honestly do not believe that... Okay, let me put it this way. I think that there is a level... So don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I'm saying. There, there are plenty of levels of fulfillment and joy and peace, but there's a level of fulfillment. There is a level of peace and joy that you're not going to experience until you are actually getting on board with God's agenda, where you are, and actually making a difference for eternity. And there is just so much opportunity for the observant. There is so much opportunity for the observant. Luke 10 verse 2, this is Jesus speaking. He says that the harvest is great. In other words, like there's plenty of opportunity. The harvest is great. The harvest isn't the variable. God's not the variable. No, no, it's the people. Like my, my people, Christians, my followers, my sons and daughters. The workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. If you ask me, Jason, what is one of your biggest desires for this year? For, for the people that consider this their spiritual home. It is that there will be such a radical revelation, conviction, and passion towards just playing whatever role God wants you to play where you are. Making a difference where you are. For many people, if, if you even make church a priority every week, that's one hour of the week. There, there's another 167 hours. Even if you serve a couple hours, okay, but, but, but where are you? Like, who, do you live with anyone? Do you connect with anyone? Do you work with anyone? Do you study with anyone? God, help me to see the harvest. Help me to see the harvest. Again, Paul, that early apostle, in Acts 20, verse 24, please, please try and, and, and let this sink in what he's saying about, about his perspective. He says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, that my life is worth nothing to me unless. So he's like, the only, my, the only place I'm going to find fulfillment is if I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. That's what I'm saying. There's a level of fulfillment. There's a level of peace. There's a level of being able to put your head down at night saying, I was made for this. That, that, that will not be experienced unless we are walking in the good works that God prepared for us long in advance. So don't miss the new series starting next week. We, we want to get practical. After that, we want to do a series on work. And by the way, if you're a student, that's your work. Okay? That's your primary responsibility from a, from a functional point of view. We, do you know that Jesus lived with people a lot longer than what he was known? Like, like he, he, he broke the internet from the age of 30 onwards, okay, for three years. But he was still living for 30 years before that. He was a carpenter before. Can you, like, I wonder what kind of carpenter Jesus was. Like, he, he, he wasn't just a mystic living in a cave going, hmm, for 30 years. No, no, he, he did stuff. So, so I'd love for us to, sh to, to close the gap between the, the sacred and the secular, or the spiritual. And the, no, 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 no. He was a carpenter. You're a teacher, you're a plumber, you're a cleaner, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a business leader. You're... 
Dallas Willard, passed away a few years ago. Great, incredible philosopher, probably one of the most influential thinkers and writers within kind of modern Christian history. Effectively used this language that you've heard us use before, where he's saying that, that our, our relation with God ultimately is wrapped up in being, ordering our lives to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, so it should actually influence us to become like him, and then to do, I love this last part, to do what Jesus would do if he were you. And the truth is, we don't know. I think of Linda, who's a, who's a hairdresser, who I know for a... You don't even know how many people have come into the church just because they've met Linda at a salon. I wonder, I, I, I'm quite comfortable, sincerely telling you, that I think that if Jesus was Linda, he'd look a lot like Linda. I think he'd be a lot like who Linda is for 12 hours a day, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., the way that she engages with people, connects with people, talks to people, loves on people, cares about people. I think that's what Jesus would look like if he were Linda. Where's your life? Where are you? He wasn't a father or a mother, but, but if he were, if he were you, and not fathering other kids, no, no fathering your kids or mothering your kids, or, or if he was in grade 10, what would, what, what would Jesus do if he were you? All right, so don't miss the next series. All right, I'm running out of time, so let me skip over one or two things. <laughs> By the way, even as Sue was mentioning earlier, I think that there's so much in this season that we can do on a personal level. And, and I'm just hearing story after story of people that are being generous to others, helping others, being inconvenienced by others, taking risks on trying to help others. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you're going to err, err on the side of risk. Err on the side of, of just graciously giving and maybe people don't respond the way that, that you, like, it's okay. That's how we've been with God for a large part of our lives too, and he's still patient and gracious. But, but there is this structured, organized way through salt. There is this way that we can be a small blessing by just bringing stationary or by contributing to, to the fund that, that continues to... Guys, we've never had more people approaching us than what we have in the last nine months. Guys, there, and, and, and we try and be as diligent as possible try and connect with the people. Like We want to know that we're actually being a help and not just making ourselves feel better. But there are, there are lots of legitimate needs. So anyway, these are some simple ways that we can make a difference. I want to encourage you to go all in. I want to encourage you to seriously say, God, no holds barred. I'm in. My answer is yes. What's the question? My answer is yes. What's the agenda? God, what have you got on the books for today? God, help, help, me to, help me to observe the opportunities where I can be... And by the way, I want to encourage you to be patient. This, this guy I mentioned earlier, Dallas Willard, I, I'm busy reading his autobiography. His books are too hard to read, so I'm reading someone who wrote a book about him because uh, he's just that bright. But he was, he, was a, he was an influential philosopher at the University of California, Los Angeles, so US, uh, UCLA. And, and at one stage, he was heading up the whole philosophy department. And, and you can imagine as a fairly well-known Christian, there would be people that would oppose him quite aggressively, even within his own department where he's leading. And, and the biographer just, just makes a comment about how, how, he just patient, how he would patiently win opponents that, are, that he's meant to be leading, that are within his department, that he, how he would just slowly win them over, over a period of years, with his grace and peace and joy and love and humility. And it really hit me, it just hit me that so often we, we want to be able to do something good today and have impacted you tomorrow.
But, but again, if God's planted you somewhere, it could take years. It's okay. Let's be patient. Let's, let's take responsibility for the result. Uh, sorry, for the effort, but trust God with the result. I want to encourage you to go all in. I'm going to end where I started. Romans 8 verse 14. God, God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Even though you may be facing incredibly challenging obstacles, it's not just about survival, although maybe today surviving is a big win, so that's okay. But you don't want your life to stay just surviving. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? If you here in the building, I want to ask you just to stand where you are for a moment. Those of you at home, I want to encourage you to just do everything you can, to just quieten down for, for a few moments. If possible. If, if not possible, just relax. It's okay. But just, just, just try and get focused for a moment. Close your eyes if you can. Open your hands if you can, wherever you are, and just ask God to help you see the adventure that He is inviting you to. God, help me to see. Help me to go all in. Help me to keep trying to discern, and even when I fail, help me to be okay with that. Help me to keep trying to discern what Jesus would do if He were me. In my set of living circumstances, at my work, at my school, in my circle of friends, would you help me to see and to obey, to be who Jesus would be, to do what Jesus would do if you were me? Father, I pray that as we go into the rest of 2021, there is so much uncertainty, but God, what is certain is the stability that we have in you. It's the anchor that we have in you. God, we know that as we grow in knowing you, in loving you, in enjoying you, we will find security, identity, and peace. We will find an increasing sense of destiny. Father, as we patiently allow you to help us find freedom, as we allow you to point out and then, and then gently deal with some of our past, some of our hurts, some of our habits, some of our hang-ups, that would hold us back. God, help us not to make excuses. Help us to keep surrendering everything to you that would hold us back from being who you want us to become. Help us to be willing to try and discover the potential that you place inside of us, the purpose that you place inside of us. Help us to, help us to be quick to obey thoughts, prompts, ideas, asking you to direct a moving ship. And God, help us to make an eternal difference. Please, in Jesus' name. Before we close, and just while your eyes are still closed, those of you that are here in the building in particular, I want to encourage you that none of what I've described is possible outside of a relationship with God, outside of accepting that Jesus paid the price for us to be completely forgiven. So we have to, we, we get to choose to accept that forgiveness. And it's a choice that we have to follow. We accept forgiveness. We choose to follow. As we take that step, as we accept forgiveness, as we choose to follow, just, just taking one step at a time, I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you 
that if we will persevere, if you don't, if you don't give into discouragement and into disillusion, if you'll persevere in trying to do the next right thing, I'm telling you that you're going to find life. You're going to find love. You're going to find an increasing sense of peace, an increasing sense of joy. So my encouragement to you is to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you can pray something like this. Father, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Help me to accept your forgiveness. And please help me to follow you. Lead me into the life, the, the potential, the destiny that you planned for me from the beginning. And would you help me to love you back? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's something as simple as that. And if you've prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you to click on the Connect With Us button and allow someone to send you some information. If you're here in person, you can just take a photo of the QR code on the chair in front of you. And I will also just direct you to some next steps. Allow us to help you take your next step. Do not miss out on our brand new series starting next Sunday that we're entitling Impact. Basically, we're trying to take a look at whether or not Jesus is impacting me if I'm not impacting others. That's one of the questions, all right? Can I, can, can I actually, can Jason be confident and at peace that Jesus has impacted me if I'm not impacting others? Because I will tend to argue that if I'm allowing him to influence me, I can't help it. I'm going to land up slowly but surely impacting and influencing others. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next weekend.